It's great to be able to speak to you on the first Sunday um, of a new year. And normally at the start of a, a new year, we do something kind of vision related. And um, we've, we did actually quite a lot of that in September. And so what we're going to do is just show you uh, a little video this morning, which is our 2030 vision video. And I'm going to just talk about a few things in relation to that at the start. And then I'm going to introduce our new teaching series on the Holy Spirit. So for the next six minutes, um, you uh, can watch this wee video and then we'll have another chat. Vision 2030. The vision of Emmanuel Church is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. The last few years have been disorientating to say the least. Our generation is facing some of the biggest cultural challenges in decades. As we navigate post-COVID world, political systems are broken, economies are failing, our communities are fractured and many people are lost. Hope is in short supply. Yet it's these types of moments in history where God breaks in, stirring up a remnant of his people with holy passion to see the glory of the Lord manifested on the earth. The Church of Jesus Christ should be a community of people who carry and embody a vision and imagination of another reality breaking into this world, the hopeful, compelling reality of the kingdom of God. And so as we step into 2023, we do so with holy ambition to see the vision God has given us fulfilled. As a leadership, we've listened to our fellow elders, our staff, and you, our church family. Prayerfully, we've discerned a step forward, structured under our six long-term aims, which we believe will help us and shape us in the vision God has given us to be fulfilled. That vision to rewrite the story of Kurgavan, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. Number one, posture and prepare ourselves to help steward a move of God's Spirit in Ireland. To see 24-7 night and day of prayer happening across our churches, to grow as a national hotspot of prayer and worship, and to spearhead a movement of intercession in Ireland. To partner with other churches to host an all-Ireland festival called Nua. It is our desire that over the next decade we will gather with thousands of people from all ages to contend for a great awakening across this island. Number two, create a culture of radical discipleship that releases a movement of people fulfilling the Great Commission. To establish a disciple-making culture, disciples making disciples, commissioning everyone to join Jesus in mission, both across the street and across the nations. Develop a pathway to wholeness and freedom, which integrates biblical teaching, prayer ministry, deliverance and professional counselling in order to see thousands set free. To embed a shared set of life rhythms in the heart of our church community, inspiring the whole family towards ever-increasing Christ-likeness. Number three, build a mature, thriving local resource church. The establishment of Emmanuel Portadown in a new building, maturing Emmanuel Church, Lurgan and Portadown as an apostolic hub in our city and Ireland while hosting people from the nations where they will be inspired and equipped. Together we want to invest in our current generation of kids and youth, discipling them in radical obedience to Christ through all of our environments. To establish a consistent and clear gospel advancing strategy to win the lost of our city, witnessing people coming to Jesus on a daily basis. Number four, release an apostolic movement of church plants around Ireland to plant 10 new churches throughout Ireland over the next 10 years. We have a dream of a strong, established, 
thriving resource church in the south of Ireland. Number five, conceive and implement citywide transformation initiatives for the Craigavon area. To develop our facilities as more than a functional space, becoming a place to dwell, a place of connection, great coffee, an authentic, life-giving community. To grow as a recognised centre of excellence for well-being in our community, providing both practical support at the point of need and empowerment to encourage people to thrive in life. To become a centre for community education and vocational learning, equipping people with qualifications and experience to develop a career, an area of creative expression or the skills to transform their community. In addition to what happens in our buildings, Citywide Transformation is about the everyone, everyday, everywhere expression of our faith as we see our communities transformed. Therefore, we will seek to empower more people from our church to make a difference where God has placed them in business, schools, sports clubs and neighbourhoods. We will also develop strategic opportunities to partner with other organisations to serve our local community and see our area transformed with the love of Jesus. Number six, train and release leaders through a mature leadership development pipeline. To establish a high-level leadership development pathway aimed at raising up local church leaders, church planters and kingdom entrepreneurs and to mobilise them throughout the nations. To establish a distinct culture of spiritual mothering and fathering throughout the whole body so that intergenerational learning and formation can take place. The Bible says without a vision the people perish. And so may the Spirit give us the courage to lean forward together into all that God has for us and in doing so see the inbreaking of the kingdom of God and welcome many into his family. Excellent. So um, we've come a long way, actually, in some, in some regards from that video because we filmed that last January in this building when this was a building site. And if you look very carefully, it was so cold that day that you can see the steam coming out of people's mouths as they're talking. <coughs> it was absolutely freezing. Um, and so uh, as, we, as we think about what God has done over the last year, it, it is amazing. Um, we have now a permanent home, a location for Emmanuel Portadown, this bit building, which we have been really blessed with. Um, and that's been a journey. It's actually been a lot longer journey than, than maybe some know. Um, over 10 years ago, I originally had plans drawn for us to be in this building. It's been bought and sold um, twice, and then the third time we bought it, um, or was bought for us through an act of generosity. And so God has, has brought us here. <clears throat> but maybe in terms of seeing a church like this established in Portadown, you've been on that journey for five years or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or more. I know that many people have been faithfully serving God in this community and, and being part of different churches that have brought us to this point. And that's amazing to see what God has been doing. And actually, on the 4th of February, we're going to join together with um, our church family from Lurgan and our church plants and missional communities um, together to celebrate all that God is doing. We do that on an annual basis. It's called Celebrate Craigavon, and it'll be actually over in our Lurgan premises on, on the 4th of February at 3 p.m. 
So here we are in terms of the vision in a permanent building. Um, and, and in this building, we get to see loads of things happen. Some of those things were already happening, but it's amazing to have a nice space and a warm space, um, an actual physically warm space, to have heating, if you've been on the journey with us for the last five or six years, that isn't powered by dubious heating systems that may or may not be legal in a church environment. To have that in itself is such a blessing. Um, but it's enabled us to do things like Connect Cafe every week. And just before Christmas there, we had over 60 people um, having Christmas dinner here. Um, and two, over 200 people across our sites got Christmas dinner. And through the generosity of another organization called Cafe Incredible, all those dinners were provided for free, which was um, absolutely amazing. We had a brilliant carol service this year. I'm sure you would all agree a couple of weeks ago. It was phenomenal. And so many people have fed back consistently at how wonderful um, that has been. On Boxing Day, there were probably over 30 people coming in and out of here, connecting with us in our open house over Christmas. Um, we see people every single week come into this uh, building to come and get help and support through Food Bank. But as they do that, they're connecting with community. They're, they're finding that there's somewhere that they can belong and connect with, and, and there are people who will love them. Uh, and it also enables us to, to signpost those people and others to our pantry. So we have our year local pantry franchise upstairs, dedicated space for that. And um, the purpose of, of the pantry is to provide uh, additional food support for people who are maybe struggling a bit financially, as many people are in our environments. But what it also does is enables us to strategically work with people on an ongoing basis to help them tackle some of the issues around uh, poverty. And so it's great to have Sharon McCollum uh, employed to coordinate that. It's also great to have Kathy Gordon employed uh, a day a week to support our Connect Cafe and some of our um, compassion environments. And it's great to have Trevor employed as well in the building. And these are all things that have happened in the last year. And at the end of this month, we're going to host an event here, which is part of something that God is doing right across uh, Northern Ireland. So um, I'm involved in a, in a group that actually engages around the issue of poverty from a faith perspective with politicians and uh, our statutory agencies and our community sector. And so Evangelical Alliance will be hosting an event here at the end of the month where, where people who are involved in similar work right across the land are coming together to basically discern what it is that we're called to do and what, how we're called to help people when we have ongoing crises in our communities that our government doesn't really have an answer for. As it was said on, on the video, our, our dream was to, to start something like NUA, the NUA festival, and it's, it's had its second year. Many of you were at that, and it was a fantastic time that God would bring people together from different churches, from different backgrounds, all across the nation to worship and pray together, but also to be inspired to see our land transformed. And so we do that through NUA, we do that through our annual Tabar Conference, which is our immediate church network. And from that church network, uh, over the, the past year, a, a new church has been planted into the south of Ireland. So Cheryl Bailey, who was on that video, her and her husband David have actually left our church in Lurgan and moved to Ballina, which is in County Mayo, which is just south of Sligo, to plant a new church. 
So the vision, the dream to have a resource church in the south of Ireland um, is one step closer. And that's amazing. I'd really encourage you. David and Cheryl came and shared here. It was one of our last Sundays before we moved to this building when we were over in Iceland. I really encourage you to keep them in your prayers um, as they continue to plant that church. Um, And the last six years of this church have been really interesting because there are so many little small things, new people coming, new things that we see people come to faith and, and lives change and transformed. And then there are these big moments like when we get to move into a new building, but they all add up and they're all put together as we see what God is doing. A couple of other updates just to let you know, there's been additional staff added to our, our Lurgan team to strengthen that. And Lurgan um, has several missional communities connected uh, with it. It has planted the, the church Cara, which is in central Craigavon. And we have missional communities in Shalom, which is North Lurgan, uh, Mournview Estate in Lurgan, and um, a missional community as well in Warringstown. And one of the reasons why I'm telling you that is because these are the things that we're part of as a church across the city, but also in the future that we as Emmanuel Porter Down might be thinking, well, is God calling us to plant missional communities, specific um, expressions of church into targeted communities in, in our town, in our area as well? And how can we be part of that? And how can we continue to encourage those that are doing missional community work in the, the task that God has put on their heart? In the coming year, we want to steward this building. It's going to take a bit of time for us to get some processes and things in place. But we will see not only us using this building going forward as a church, but also that this community can be something, a facility to bless the town with. And that's very much on our hearts. So you will find in the coming year, you'll hear about things that are happening in our building that aren't to do with us um, specifically, but we really want to allow others to be blessed by what God has blessed us with, that we are blessed to be a blessing. So let me just move on to introducing our new theme, our new series for the year, uh, well, probably for the first quarter this year anyway, and it's called Empowered, and our strap line is Eagerly Desire Spiritual Gifts. Um, And this is part of our presence series. Uh, or sorry, it's a follow-on from our presence series. And the, the theme that we had in our presence series was about how we could be people who carry the presence of God, that we would be living temples, that we would cultivate lives that enabled the manifest presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to really rest upon us. And so now we want to focus on the individual and unique ways that each of us can demonstrate the presence of God in us and advance his kingdom being empowered through spiritual gifts. So if our previous series was focused on how we are born to be someone, sons and daughters living in God's presence, then this series is focused on how we were born to do something, participating with Jesus in the world the idea that we were created with a unique God-given purpose to serve him. And this context is vitally important. The only context that we can fully live out our God-given identity is one where the reality of us being sons and daughters is foremost in our minds and an actual lived reality. 
So we often say in Emmanuel, and if you haven't heard this, I'd really encourage you to let this little phrase sink in because it's so, so important for the way we do church. We are loved by a father and formed in a family. Loved by a father and formed in a family. And that needs to become in our church what we call sticky language. We need to get that stuck in our head and live from that reality. So if you haven't heard that before, let it sink in. The context for everything that we do is knowing the love of God as Father and being called to be part of a family. We're not a club. We're not an institution. We're not just a church service that you attend. We are a family. And this context is also really important, not just for how you live, but for how spiritual gifts operate in the body of Christ. You see, we are God's children, exploring the gifts that he has given us by a loving father. He knows us, he loves us, he has a plan for our lives. He knows who we are, how we were made, and how we're made to interact with others. And what's really important is that we get the vertical relationship between ourselves and God sorted out, where our worth, our identity, our sense of purpose all is centered on God and how we relate to him. Because when we get the vertical relationship sorted out, it changes our horizontal relationship. So our relationship with God is a vertical relationship. Our horizontal relationship is how we relate to other people. So rather than trying to figure out who we are and how we live in relation to those around us, we don't have to compete or fight or try and work out our place in relation to others because it's worked out in terms of who our Father says we are. And so spiritual gifts then become not a way of finding our identity, but a way of expressing our identity. So not a way of finding our identity. We don't go, I am who I am because here's my gifts. I am who I am because here's who my Father is and who he says I am. And I happen to be also able to do these things, which are great, okay? And that actually just takes so much pressure off us. So the key is in seeking the giver, not the gift. We can enjoy the gift completely rather than comparing with jealousy with those around us. So we don't get caught up in a hierarchy of more important people based on who got the more important gifts. We don't get caught in comparison with others. We can easily see, call out, and encourage the gifts we see in others. You see, if we don't know the love of the Father, and we end up competing with others, trying to find out where I am in relation to other people, we'll never be the kind of people who see wonderful gifting in others and champion that and call that out. And that's what we need to be doing. And we recognize as well how our unique gifting interacts with others and how gifts complement one another. And this is the beauty of the kingdom of God, is that God has given us all different gifts, but he hasn't given us the same gifts. And there are tasks that God has for us to do that you cannot do alone because you are deficient in something that somebody else has in abundance. And that's the way the kingdom of God works. So one person might be a really good organizer, for example. They have the gift of administration, and they can organize and sort out things and spreadsheet their way through lots of stuff. Um, 
they can organize an event down to the last detail and they have it done weeks and weeks before the event is even happening. I, I'm not that person. But that person may not have a really strong gift of hospitality. And so they want to organize an event, but they don't know how to host it. And so they find somebody who has a gift of hospitality and the gift of administration and the gift of hospitality come together to make an event happen really, really well. And that's just an example of how two gifts can come together to create a powerful dynamic that doesn't exist with one person on their own. And you see, not only is this good for the church, but it's good for the world too. Because our world has gone in a different direction. There's so much individualism and the individual pursuit of achievement and success in relation to other people. But we are, and we understood that we are made in the image of God and that God is Trinity. And therefore, we need to fight against society's focus on independence and competitiveness as being success goals. Our goal is to become more like Jesus. And Jesus shows us a healthy interdependence that he had with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And we need to learn healthy interdependence as being part of the body of Christ. With so much loneliness and isolation in the world around us, it should be a distinctive of the church that we are a loving, supporting community which champions everyone for the unique gifting and their unique contribution. And I believe there are so many of society's problems that cannot be sorted out with an individualistic um, approach, that they can only be sorted out by community. So God has created you and prepared things for you to do. And there are supernatural gifts available to help you to do those things. And so a key verse in this series is this from Ephesians 2, uh, verses 8 to 10. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork or God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship, his handiwork. Okay? Um, There are over 8 billion people alive today on this earth and you are uniquely crafted by God. He has a vision and a plan for your life and that vision and that plan actually only finds its fulfillment through how you interact and work with other people and that's amazing. And so churches should be filled with diversity and creativity and I think we've got a long way to go on that. We have a long way to go but we can get there church we can get there let me just read you a little quote from a guy called john thompson who's written a lot about spiritual gifts and he said we encourage one another with the news that spiritual practices if we are christians are the guaranteed place of ongoing transformation after you have counted the cost of following jesus the spiritual practices involve choices we make Now we will consider some of the choices God made when he entered our lives. When we surrendered to him, the Holy Spirit sealed us, he entered us, and joined us to the body of Christ. When he did all this, he also gave us gifts, and he intends to use 
as he works out through, through us the accomplishment of his purposes on the, in the world. So God has saved us and he's placed a spirit in us and he has stuff for us to do that can only be done through his empowerment. And spiritual gifts, whilst they empower us, their ultimate empowerment is for us to serve others so that we will be like Jesus. And this is so important. Jesus is our model for the right understanding and operation of spiritual gifts. We must remember that Jesus is the express image of God. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is what God wants to say. Jesus is God. Jesus is a prototype of both spiritual practices, what we do to maintain our relationship with God, and spiritual gifts. And um, the, the New Testament writer Luke gives us a little window into that. And I've done this before, I think even within the last year, but I'm just going to do it again very, very briefly, is to point out the way Luke explains the importance of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus to empower him for ministry. So in Luke 3, verse 21, we read about Jesus' baptism. When all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you're my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then in Luke 4, verse 1, we read that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And we know that he was there for 40 days and he was tempted. And then in Luke 4 verse 14, we read that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. And he was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. And then in verse 16, it says that Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day went into the synagogue as was his custom and he stood up to read. And he took the scroll of Isaiah and unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. So he's baptized in the spirit. He's sent out to the desert under the power of the Holy Spirit. He's brought from the desert to, into the public space by the Spirit, and when he gets in the public space and he, he comes to teach, he teaches the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because, because he has anointed me to pro proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the only way that it could be fulfilled is if the spirit of the living God sat and rested on him. And that he would then do those things. So Jesus declares his mandate at the start of his earthly ministry with authority and boldness because he is fully equipped having received the Holy Spirit for the task that lay before him. And we see that Jesus lives out this life empowered by the Holy Spirit that has both authority and gifting 
to fulfill his earthly ministry. Uh, Jesus used spiritual disciplines. He often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He attended the synagogue. He obviously had a love and, and uh, the ability to recall God's word that he had placed in his heart. And he used spiritual gifts to do what the Father was doing. And he did it in a certain way. And so we know from Philippians 2 verse 5 that he did it in a servant-hearted way. That Jesus, equal to God, chose not to use his godness to his own advantage, even while he retained it. In your relationships with one another, one another, Paul says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. So Jesus' baptism, confirmed by the dove resting on him, empowered him for the kingdom works that he was called to do. He didn't rely on his divine nature. He relied on the empowerment of the Spirit as someone who is fully human. And in doing that, Jesus provides a model for us about how we are to live as people who discipline ourselves in following God, but are also empowered by the Spirit and imparted with spiritual gifts to serve Him really well. And the thing is about that, what we can do when we look at the life of Jesus and go, isn't Jesus amazing? Like, isn't He incredible? Look at all the stuff He does. Look at all the things He did. Look at all the people He encountered and what He did. But actually, do you know what? He was God, so I don't really have to try and do any of that stuff. You know, we almost use Jesus as a get-out clause for not being like Jesus. Even though we're called to follow Jesus, we convince ourselves that because he is God, we can't really do any of that stuff. And if that were the case, there would be no reason for us to have the Holy Spirit. There would be no reason for us to be fully imprinted with the power and presence of the person of the Spirit with us if we weren't really supposed to follow Jesus. But I wonder sometimes whether we kind of we rule ourselves out and think, well, I can't really be like Jesus. The truth is, you can. Jesus was fully human, but he lived a spur-empowered life, and we have the opportunity to do that too. Now, yeah, it will look unique and different based on your personality, your character, your skills and experience, the gifts that God gave you, but your life can and should look like Jesus. And that should either excite us or stress us out. And if it stresses us out, we need to ask, could it be that God has given me gifts that I need to operate in? Because I know I can't do this in my own strength. And so throughout this series, we want to discover um, and we want to learn to operate in, in spiritual gifts. Because we are a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit, operational, in the body of Christ and on this earth today. Let me read you another little quote from John Thompson. And he says, We believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the church of the first century are available today, are vital for the mission of the church, and are to be earnestly desired and practiced. To be clear, we are not cessationists. And that's Christians who believe 
that the overt evidence of the Holy Spirit was only for the time of the apostles and the development of the New Testament and ceased with the writing of the last canonical book in the Bible. We believe that Scripture itself and the abundant evidence of the last 20 centuries of the church speak powerfully against that position. At the same time, we admit that there has been a lot of craziness in church history, some of it related to identifying the Holy Spirit's work, and some of it related to denying the evidence of the Spirit. The Scriptures tell us to test the Spirits, not that they don't exist. I grew up in a brethren background. We didn't believe that the Holy Spirit was at work today. We believed that that was a historical thing. But the more you learn, the more you read God's word, the more you follow him, you realize, no, the Holy Spirit is at work. And he does have gifts for us to live in. And so we want to encourage you that we are a church that is both word and spirit together. And that doing these two things together, we can find a good holistic expression of the Christian faith. So we're going to describe the gifts in the following weeks. Our aim is going to be discover discover the gifts uh, that God has given you. Um, but before we do that, we want to lay down some theological foundations so that we can build on. So this is going to be an unfolding journey. So you might have questions about different things, and that's okay. We're going to hopefully work through a lot of that. But we're going to be encouraged, as it says in um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, Paul says, Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And that's why our series is called Empowered, Eagerly Desire Spiritual Gifts. You see, this encouragement to desire spiritual gifts occurs at least four times in the narrative between 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, at least four times, Paul, who's actually trying to correct some misuse of gifts, still tells the same church to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. This is not an optional extra series for those interested in gifts. It's for all of us. Not just for us as individuals, but as I've said before, as a body, as a family. That we may pursue these gifts, not just for ourselves, but because actually, this is what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So this isn't just about you, although it is about you. It's about you and how you can bless the person sitting next to you and how we can bless all the people here outside of this building today. And so the gifts actually exist as an expression of the body of Christ. We need each other and we need each other's gifts. So just a couple of wee things uh, as, I'm, as I'm finishing. Jesus is our model. We want to identify our gifts. We want to go through a process of doing that. So I'd really encourage you to attend your life group on a regular basis. 
because that's one of the places where we're going to journey and unpack some of this stuff around spiritual gifts. If you're not part of a life group, um, Stephen isn't here this week, but he will be here next week. He coordinates a lot of that. But as Debbie said, Debbie and I and, and Keith and Sharon, you can have a chat with us about being part of a life group because this is where we're going to unpack and um, even practice some of this stuff. We want to implement this through a servant heart. A servant-hearted approach to this will, will actually find the most natural expression of any spiritual gift is how can I bless someone else? Not, oh, look at me, I've got this gift, I've got that gift. That's not how it works at all. And the fourth thing is, let's intensify our love for God. That a life in the spirit is a life of love, an expression of love. So let me just finish by reading a very familiar passage whose context actually, so I do a lot of weddings and I very often read 1 Corinthians 13. But the interesting thing about 1 Corinthians 13, although it's about love and it is an appropriate um, set of verses to use at a wedding, is it's actually in the middle of a narrative on either side of it, chapters 12 and chapters 14, about spiritual gifts and the appropriate use of spiritual gifts. So let me just read that for you. It'll be on the screen, but if you do want to follow in your Bibles, you can. So in the middle of talking about spiritual gifts, Paul says this. So actually, the end of verse 12, or chapter 12, starts with eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. I will speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And normally we stop here, but we shouldn't because the very next verse says this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Because it's the middle of a narrative about spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. 
that the way of love is our way forward. And so the band are going to come up. We're just going to sing one song together. But I really encourage you at the start of this year to think and to start to believe that maybe you've already discovered some of your gifts, but you want to mature and grow in them. Maybe you're not sure what those gifts are. But let's start with the belief that God has gifts for you that he has things for you to do, that he has a purpose that you can grow and learn how to use spiritual gifts so that you may start to fulfill more of your God-given destiny, but also so that you can be even more so a blessing to those around you. So let's stand and worship together.